Real quick, before we get into the show, I wanted to share a new service called Getita that Ken and I have been using that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription, and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A, and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for firing the man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you? Digging into our journey, you know, you and I, you know, both started our business on Amazon. And then after a while, realize, you know, this is single threaded. This is not good because you have one sales channel and it gets shut off. You stand to lose everything. So this is just hypothetical. Let's just say, for example, Nike, one of the biggest brands in the world, right? They only sold on one channel. And let's just say that channel is Target. And let's just say the CEO of Target decides, oh, I'm going to take a political stand or I'm going to speak out on this cause that I believe in. And let's say, you know, 50% of Target shoppers boycott them. Well, Nike, who sells on that only channel, loses half of their sales. Nothing in their, you know, not even in their control, right? What are the upsides of having sales channel diversity? One of them that I can think of um, and impacts me directly is like you sleep better at night. You know how it is when you get a sales channel that completely goes down or if you're relying completely, you know, your livelihoods on one single channel and you've ever had it go down, like you have that in the back of your mind, like, oh shit, like what would I do if this happens? You, you might lose sleep. So having diversity, you're going to, you know, you're going to sleep better at night. One thing that you've really encouraged me to do, which I'm glad, is to really take ownership of my own website. And one thing that, you know, I think separates your own website from some of these other third-party marketplaces is that you are likely not going to get kicked off. You're the boss there. Welcome, everyone, to the Firing the Man podcast, a show for anyone who wants to be their own boss. If you sit in a cubicle every day and know you are capable of more, then join us. This show will help you build a business and grow your passive income streams in just a few short hours per day. And now your hosts, serial entrepreneurs, David Shomer and Ken Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to the Firing the Man podcast. Today's episode, David and I are going to discuss why sales channel diversity is crucial in your e-com business. We're going to share some recent stories from our own businesses, some good, some really bad. We also dive into how having the right sales channel diversity can actually make you over $200,000 if you plan on selling your e-com business. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Good to be here. And Ken, I'm really excited for this episode. You know, there's a common saying, don't put all of your eggs in one basket. And boy, does that ring true. Yeah, absolutely. Question for you. Can Amazon shut down your business with one stroke of a key? Oh, yes. Yes. And it has happened. It's a, I am lucky, knock on wood, that that has never happened to me. But I have been in several masterminds and several Facebook groups where I've heard examples of this. And the unfortunate part about this is the people that got shut down were not acting in a malicious way. They may have done something uh, against the terms of service, uh, 
that they, you know, unknowingly violated the terms of service, but but at the end of the day, their account was shut down, and some of them got them reactivated, and some of them didn't, and that's uh, that's scary. That is scary. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, kind of digging into our journey, you know, you and I, you know, both started started our business, um, you know, three four years ago, and started on Amazon. You know, like like we discussed, native Amazon brand, right? Start a business, build a brand on Amazon, and then after a while realize, you know, this is single threaded. This is not good because if you have one sales channel and it gets shut off, you know, you're, you know, you'll lose, you stand to lose everything. So, you know, one example, and I I just kind of want to, this is just hypothetical, just kind of a bring awareness to it. Let's just say, for example, Nike, one of the biggest brands in the world, right? Let's just say Nike, they only sold on one channel, and let's just say that channel is Target. No, these are hypothetical. I don't even know if Nike sells in Target, but let's just say that that's the case. And let's just say the CEO of Target decides, oh, I'm going to take a political stand or I'm going to speak out on this cause that I believe in. And let's say, you know, 50% of Target shoppers boycott them. Well, Nike, who sells on that only channel, loses half of their sales, nothing in their, you know, not even in their control, right? Another example, let's say, you know, Target has a data breach and they lose customer trust. They lose 90% of their sales, you know, guess what? Nike, they only use Target for that sales channel and they just lost 90% of their sales. So the point is, it was no fault of Nike, right? The only fault that they had, they had one sales channel, so they were single threaded for the sales channel. Yeah, not good. Often in the e-commerce space, we always hear about all the good stuff that that happens with and oh, you know, hey, you know, selling on Amazon, doing this, doing that and and you never hear, you know, the bad stuff. So today we're going to talk about some some of the bad stuff, right? So for me personally, it was about 2 months ago, you know, I got an email from my VA that said, "Hey, you know, this sales channel has had zero sales and it's noon, like something's going on. So I went and logged into this Amazon seller account. And sure enough, I had the, uh, the little red flag under the, uh, you know, the red flag for the performance. And I clicked on it and it said something about, you know, I was missing a form, some kind of a tax form. So I want to back it up a little bit and say uh, a month prior, I enrolled in uh, – actually, it was in um, a few months prior. I enrolled in Amazon's remote fulfillment program. So basically, I went into Mexico and Canada through the inventory in the Amazon U.S. warehouses. So it was my Amazon.com account. I just enabled – I just allowed Amazon to sell that inventory in Canada Marketplace and Mexico Marketplace. However – there was some kind of a loophole where I didn't file this form for .mx. And, you know, ultimately, Amazon shut down my entire US.com account because of this. You know, it was completely out of my control, nothing I knew about, and was, you know, kind of ridiculous at that point. You know, I, I lost thousands of dollars and I was able to get the account turned back on within a few hours. I called and and uh, was like, "Hey, you know, I basically shut that remote fulfillment off, and you know, was able to bring the .dot com account back up." But 
you know, I just kind of wanted to go over that real world example of, you know, I lost my entire, one of my entire accounts over a, a missing piece of paperwork that was not even relevant. Yeah, absolutely. I have a similar story. Fortunately, it wasn't on Amazon, which is my primary sales channel. It was on Groupon. And I had just signed up for Groupon and things were going great. I was getting orders in almost daily. And one thing that you were required to do was to take the tracking number and post it when you put shipped. You needed to manually add that tracking number. And I didn't know that and I didn't do it. And after not doing that for about 10 orders, my account got shut down. And that was something, that was a mistake on my end. I I didn't read the terms of service. And in hindsight, I actually got a couple emails that I just didn't read. And and that was a mistake on my part. But, you know, that was an example of something that negatively impacted my business. And it wasn't intentional. I wasn't acting in a malicious way. I just, I didn't read all the rules. You know, you get busy and that happens. And so, you know, that fortunately, you know, I did have... Etsy going at that time. I was on eBay and I was on Amazon. And so it it didn't hurt the business as much. And so, you know, I, I, Ken and I share these stories because, uh, oftentimes, especially in this space, people like to talk about success stories and, and oftentimes those success stories are, are riddled with many stories of, of small failures (laughs) like, like this. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I would, (laughs) I would be willing to bet that almost any success story has a pile of trial and error stories behind it, right? Like that's how you learn. And uh, being a being an entrepreneur is uh, a roller coaster a lot of times. One more story I'd like to share, and this was pretty recent. This is uh, just a few weeks ago. I recently took one of my brands onto Etsy, and just a few weeks ago, I got an email. Actually, I got a screenshot from. My VA sent it over and said, hey, your the Etsy store is shut down. And uh, the screenshot basically said, yeah, you know, your Etsy store has been shut down. No, you can't log in. And I was like, well, okay, well, let's go. Let's, let me go and um, let me call Etsy. Let me find out what's going on. Go to Etsy's website. There's no customer service line. And it basically it says, if you can't log into your account, reset your password. So I went to reset my password and it says, your account has been disabled. You cannot reset your password. Okay, let me find a phone number. Let me call Etsy. No phone number, no customer service. So I, you know, I s- scratched around, did some Google searching, and I found, uh, well, actually, I'll put it in the show notes. I found an email to Etsy, and I emailed him and was like, like, what's going on? My account shut down, got disabled. I, can you please explain why? Like, you know, I got a reply about two hours later and it said, your account's been reinstated. There was a mistake and everything should be good to go. Please let us know if you need anything else. Go back in, log into my Etsy account. Everything's fine. And, you know, it's like, it just goes to show you that, you know, there was no fault. We didn't, we didn't do anything wrong. We didn't violate terms of service. We didn't do anything. There could have been an intern working at Etsy that, you know, shut it down. There could have been nefarious activities. We don't know. It was out of our control. Entire sales channel went down. Boom. Like you mentioned, it was a, you know, Etsy is still an up and comer for us. However, we do see a lot, a lot of good things with Etsy, but it wasn't a massive hit, but it could have been, you know. But 
the point is like an entire sales channel went down for no fault of ours. As we're going through this list of failures, I a couple more come to mind and, and one that I'll share with you. And, and this has probably been my biggest oh shit moment. I got an email about this new program that Amazon was rolling out called Amazon Zero. And it was supposed to prevent people from hijacking your listings. And I, you know, read the first couple sentences of the email. I was like, oh, it sounds great. And I, I signed up for it. And when you enroll in the program, you get, it was probably three or four pages uh, that just kind of explained how the program worked. I stupidly did not read those instructions. And there was a spot where you could, what I thought you could enroll your ASINs in this program. And as it turns out, this program was if you had someone hijacking your listing, you take their ASIN and report them. And so what I did was I took 300 of my ASINs and I reported myself. <laughs> and my all of those listings were immediately shut down. And I had a couple days of zero sales. I was on the phone with Amazon for several hours. And I felt like such an idiot because after this happened, I did go back and read the directions. And I'm like, oh, I, I totally misused this tool. And when I'd call, they'd say, why would you report yourself? And I was like, listen, I didn't read the directions, and this is my own fault. Fortunately, I, I got someone on the phone that helped me reinstate my listings, but you know, that was a couple hundred bucks at that time of profit that, that I missed out on, and not to mention you know, losing ranking and everything else for having my listings shut down by something that, that I did to myself. You know, that just goes to show you, you know, some things that are in your control, some things that are, that are not, but either case, it takes an entire sales channel down, right? So having other sales channels functioning, you know, they kind of mitigate that. One thing I'd like to dive into, I noticed that when you were talking about one of your Amazon sales channels being shut down, when I listen to you say that, I can infer that you have multiple Amazon accounts. And I think when we're talking about diversification, that's not a bad place to start if you have two different brands or if you're thinking about starting a second brand. And so can you talk about why you did that and some of the benefits, but maybe also some of the, the downsides? Sure. Yeah, there are both. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons I have two is I, you know, want diversity, right? Um, the whole thing is uh, firing the man, right? And, and uh, I need to have diversity. So if one gets shut down, I have another one. It was uh, pretty easy to set up. You know, you just email Amazon, say, hey, you know, this is me. I'm opening a new account. I want to open a new account to sell a completely new line of products and service different customers. They will allow you. I mean, as of right now, today, they will. But they want to know. You know, if you, if I would not recommend to go open one without emailing them. So that's the process. And if anybody wants the template, just email the show and, and I'll send out the template that I used. Um, so the downside of having to is that some of my softwares that I use, I have to pay double the price or an increased price. And, and, and a lot of them are compatible with multiple accounts, but some of them, I just have to have two accounts, which is double the fees, more expenses. So that's really one of the only downsides, I would say. Uh, it's a lot, you know, you add complexity. As we get into, you know, later on, 
you know, the downsides is one of them is the more channels you use or depending on what channel you add, it's, it adds complexity. So there are some, some, you know, the benefits far outweigh the, you know, the, the negatives in my opinion. For sure. For sure. What are the upsides of having sales channel diversity? So good question, David. There's a lot of upsides on having multiple sales channels and being diversified. One of them that I can think of, um, it impacts me directly is like you sleep better at night. You know, you know how it is when you get a sales channel that completely goes down or if you're relying completely, you know, your livelihoods on one single channel and you've ever had it go down, like you have that in the back of your mind, like, oh shit, like what would I do if this happens? You, you might lose sleep. So having diversity, you're going to, you know, you're going to sleep better at night. Uh, it reduces the risk of losing your entire business if one channel gets shut down. And as we discussed earlier, it probably will happen to you at some point in time. You can reach more customers and increase sales velocity with every new product launch. So if you have five sales channels and you launch a new product, you will likely launch it on all five sales channels, right? So it just kind of, um, it adds that incremental increase uh, just by having more sales channels. Uh, Another one is, you know, you can reach new customers on sales channels where they're hanging out. You know, uh, <laughs> what comes to mind is we did a, an episode previously and, and you had mentioned the shoppers on eBay from the 90s, right? So if, if you add eBay into your, into your sales channel diversity mix, you're going to add all the shoppers from the 90s. You're going to reach new customers that maybe those customers aren't on Amazon. So you reach new customers. One of the last ones here is, uh, you know, you can increase the sales price when or if you sell your business. And I think this is one of the, you know, this is the main one for me, one of the main ones for me. And it's one of the reasons why I'm going through adding all these sales channels. And I'm sure you are as well. And I've got some numbers here. I kind of want to go over a hypothetical exit of your e-com business. We're just going to use some rough back of the napkin math here and all hypothetical, but it's, um, it's, uh, relevant and it, and numbers always help me. Um, so, okay, let's say you have a, a business and your top line revenue is a million dollars annually. Okay. Uh, let's just say roughly your bottom line net profit is $150,000 or 15% of your total revenue. I think it's a pretty good uh, rough estimate for most e-com businesses that I've seen. Let's throw in some ad backs, you know, paying yourself a salary and what, you know, whatever ad backs you can find. Let's $50,000 for ad backs. So that would give you a trailing 12 months of uh, SDE or seller's discretionary earnings of $200,000, okay? Now, let's take a historical marker with econ businesses, the multipliers. This is very general. Let's just say it's a 3x multiplier on your on your SDE. Then that's before Uncle Sam and brokers take their fees, but you would have a $600,000 exit. You have a $200,000 in SDE with a multiplier of three. That's $600,000. Not bad, right, David? Not bad. Now, let's take that same business and the one we just evaluated, they only sold on Amazon, okay? Now, let's take a business that has five diverse sales channels and they have a top-line revenue of a million dollars. They have all the same numbers, 
but they have five sales channels. And uh, for example, let's say they're doing 40% of their sales on Amazon, 25% on their Shopify website, 20% Walmart, 10% eBay, and 5% Google. Okay. Pretty good mix, right? That business is going to be valued higher. And let's say hypothetically, that multiplier goes to a 4X. It has less risk for the buyer, right? They look at it and say, okay, well, if one of those nightmare scenarios happens like we went over earlier, we still have these other four sales channels. So with a seller's discretionary earnings of $200,000, like we discussed, and a 4X multiplier, your exit's going to be $800,000. That's $200,000 more than a single threaded Amazon business. That's a huge upside. If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. You know, that's a really good example, Ken. And one thing that I want to point out is that $200,000 extra that you get at exit is for the same company, right? In this example, they're going to earn the same revenue. They're going to have the same profit margin. The only difference is that they're diversified across sales channels. And in this industry, typically, you know, the market rate for an exit is between about two and five. Uh, three, three to four is a typical uh, multiplier for an e-commerce exit. And what determines that multiplier are things like diversification, email lists, you know, other brand assets, intellectual property, to the extent that you can move up on that range of multipliers for your exit, you're just going to make more money at the end of the day. And so, you know, not to mention that you're going to sleep better at night. Uh, if one of these gets shut down, you're still going to have cash flow coming in. And, uh, you know, as we talk about this conversation of diversification, you know, the main point that we're trying to drive home here is, your sales channels can get shut down. That does happen, and it happens, I don't want to say a lot, but you know there are plenty of examples of this out there. And if you look at your business, there are a lot of fixed expenses that you have every month, and those don't stop if you have a sales channel shut down. So for instance, you know all of your software subscriptions, you know any employees that you have, uh, you need to pay them regardless of of whether you have an active sales channel or not. And so, you know, when you have 100% on Amazon, that's a huge risk. And really, if you're evaluating this, yes, there's going to be some legwork in setting up these other sales channels. But look at your financial statements and see if you could survive three months uh, if your Amazon sales channel got shut down. I can say in my own business, the answer is no. And uh, that is a good reminder to me uh, to continue diversifying and, uh, you know, ramping up my Etsy, ramping up my eBay, maybe getting back into the Groupon game. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a great point. And, and, uh, it's going to be one of the goals that I challenged myself for in 2021 is to, you know, I'm going to put some hard numbers on the percentage of the pie for my sales channels. And I'm going to really challenge myself to do that because it, uh, has a lot of upside. So before we, I have a list here of, of sales channels that, you know, that David and I use and that we're also on a roadmap to test. And before I get into that, I, I want to kind of go over, um, some things to consider when you, before racing out and just adding a bunch of sales channels, you know, there's some things you need to consider. One of them is complexity, you know, by adding a sales channel, how complex will it be? Is it automated? I mean, does it plug right into your current system, your software? You know, you have to consider that, you know, cause, and what's the upside, you know, are you going to get 10 sales a month and, and it's super complicated or, you know, are you going to get 50 sales a month and it's, seamlessly plugs in you know it's complexity is one thing you know automation if uh you know i recently added some software suites in where they do sales channel aggregation and you know check your software suites does the sales channel integrate seamlessly in and automate order flow and, and reporting and things something to look at we discussed earlier sales right like if if you're going to add a sales channel that you know, it's going to get two sales a month. <laughs> is it really worth it? You know, if you have a potential to get a thousand sales a month, it, you know, the risk versus reward. You have to think about that. Liability. You look at the sales channel. Is that is it going to add a, a, a liability to your business? Um, sales tax complexity. You know, that's that's huge. We've discussed it a couple of times and you know, the whole nexus, the whole tracking and, you know, you got to look at tax complexity on that. Um, commission, you know, uh, we, we talked, uh, you know, David and I are huge fans of Etsy, you know, that 5% commission, you know, it's a lot better than 15. Um, so you have to look at that too. And lastly, and probably one of the most important things that on this list are my customers on that channel, you know, if you're (laughs) selling, I want to come, come back to that eBay thing, right? If you're selling, you know, products designed for millennials, they're probably not going to sell well on eBay, right? Who's on eBay? The 90s generation, right? And this is hypothetical, but but you get the point. It's are your customers on that sales channel, you know? So yeah, that kind of covers that. So we'll get into the the list of sales channels that 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 David and I use and the sales channels that we're on the roadmap of adding and then some other ones to consider as well. So main sales channels that David and I are using right now are Amazon, eBay, Etsy, and uh, Shopify, WooCommerce, Walmart. So those are the channels we're using now. I am adding Walmart soon, and I'm adding Google Shopping. Well, cleaning it up and, and getting it integrated. Um, some other channels that I that I want to go through, and, and this is often overlooked. I actually overlooked this earlier, and then I regrouped, and, and so other Amazon marketplaces. That's another diverse sales channel, right? So if amazon.com gets shut down, amazon.ca is still there. It's a separate channel. So Amazon Canada, Amazon UK, Amazon Germany, Amazon Japan, and Amazon India. And those are listed in order of uh, sales velocities. So those are separate channels and, and might be easier to plug one of those in than to add something else, right? Your upside might be worth it. And uh, we're actually going to have a, a guest on the show pretty soon. It's going to cover those in, in, really in, in depth. Uh, super excited about that. The last couple sales channels 
are uh, Rakuten, Facebook, Pinterest, Groupon, and Instagram. It kind of wraps up the list. So if you're looking at adding sales channels, check the list out. We'll have this in the show notes. And David, any last comments? Yeah, as we go through here, one thing that you've really encouraged me to do, which I'm glad, is to really take ownership of my Shopify store, my own website. And one thing that you know I think separates your own website from some of these other third-party marketplaces is that you are likely not going to get kicked off, right? You're the boss there. Um, you don't have terms of service to to live by. And so that is something that I think that you know, there's benefits there in, in that there's there's just less risk. Um, the other thing is that they're your customers um, and you can get things like email addresses. Um, you can, you know, then retarget them through, you know, email campaigns or through Facebook ads. And I think that that is something that you and I not met and we had not had those early discussions. I don't think I would have placed as much emphasis on my Shopify store um, but you know, that's something that all of your brands, you do have a website and a strong website and you're starting to see some traction there. And, and in my opinion, uh, one sale on your own website from a profitability standpoint, may be worth two sales on Amazon. If you look at the, you know, the cost of customer retention, what you can do with their email address and all of the other benefits of having someone come to your website. I think that that one really stands out in this list. And and I just had to, had to mention that because that's been something that I've done in the last year. And I'm really glad that I have. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'm proud of you for adding that. That's going to be paid, paying dividends for you in years to come. And another thing also is that there's no commission on your own website. So we'll do some more shows later on and, and some, some strategies that we're using to drive traffic. But yeah, like you said, at, at Exit, your website is an asset. Your email list is an asset. And an investor looking to buy, you know, if, if you have a strong web presence and you own that, it's, it's going to pay dividends. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to today's Firing the Man podcast. If you like this episode, head on over to firingtheman.com and check out our resource library for exclusive Firing the Man discounts on popular e-commerce subscription services. That is firingtheman.com backslash resource. You can also find a comprehensive library of over 50 books that Ken and I have read in the last few years that have made a meaningful impact on our business. For that, head on over to www.firingtheman.com slash library. Lastly, check us out on social media at Firing the Man and on YouTube at Firing the Man for exclusive content. This is David Schomer and Ken Wilson. We're out. Before you go, we wanted to share a new service that Ken and I have been using called Getita that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A dot com and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for Firing the Man 400 
to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you?